UK. Broadcasting around the world. Around the world. You're listening to the Mike Drop Club. Hosted by Douglas Hamandiche. Message received. Message received. You do not need to know what you need. What you need. Just engage with the podcast feed. Just engage with the podcast feed. Providing weekly insights into cool stuff we've read, saw, did, or heard about what made us say, wow, eureka, damn, nothing is off limits. If it motivates and inspires you to reach your goals, then it shall be discussed. Featuring guest interviews from high performers and people of influence and weekly awards for the best mic drop moment. This podcast is guaranteed to leave you pumped up for the week ahead. Don't just live life, make life boom. How you guys doing out there? It's Douglas Hamadiche for another episode of the Mic Drop Club. Today, Thursday, the day before Easter Friday, and I thought I'll bring to you somebody that I connected to by a good friend of mine, Brian O'Toole. This is an author of a few books that I like to categorize as inspirational fiction. And though that's a big, that's, that's a global term, I guess, I'll let Stephen himself introduce himself to the Mic Drop Club. And we're going to have a conversation about what inspires him, um, where he gets his inspiration from, his own journey, and some of the good stuff you can get out of the books that he has written. And I'm in um, the process of finishing off the Candy Floss guitar, which you can av- you can get available on Amazon. And I must say this book, it resonates so well with me because the best way I could describe it so far is when you are on the precipice of starting a journey, what are you feeling? You know, are you anxious, nervous, unsure of yourself? What are you going to do on this journey? And many of us now are on that path, on on about to start a journey. And this is what it's about. You know, which path are you going to take? Can you stay where you are? Or are you going to go and take the path least trodden? So Steve Marriott, without no further ado, how are you doing? Are you okay? I'm doing great. Thanks. And um, thanks for having me on the show. I've been excited um, to, to talk to you. And uh, that's a great introduction. And uh, yeah, feeling pumped up with the intro music. There. No, uh, <laughs> as you say, get, getting me ready for this long weekend. And we're, you know, we're all finding new ways to adapt um, to, to weekends. And, you know, obviously this is the first um, holiday weekend. So yes. um yeah, and yeah, ready, re- ready to you know. I'm sure I'll be really pumped up and inspired after this conversation. Oh, brilliant, brilliant! Because I think the key word there was adapt, and I think that's in keeping with what the whole country is trying to do now. It's adapt to the situation that it finds itself. Um, working from home means effectively the Monday morning, you know, rat race is no longer there. You know, so it's it's making those adjustments and having the family also adjusting the fact that you're working from home, but you actually are still working. <laughs> so um, I'm, I'm getting used to that as well. But how, how are things in your household in terms of adapting to this change? Yeah, well, I think um, I'm reasonably well structured. So um, I think that hasn't been too bad for me uh, in that in that sense. And um, I, I only work part-time um, um, for a, I work for a financial service com- company part time, which that's my background. Um, and so then the other two week, uh, two days a week, um, or more with the weekends, um, I focus on on my writing and 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 sort of 
promotional stuff related to, to my books and things. Sure. Um, but adapting, well, it's been an interesting period because um, unfortunately my partner, Emma, um, we're pretty sure she got the coronavirus oh um, three God. weeks ago. Oh yes. my God. Um, and so, um, anything like that. So, you know, that, so, so, so she's been lucky in, in, in that respect, but basically pretty much, um, well, a couple of days before we had the sort of, you know, the, 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 lock, the, the lockdown we're in now and the tougher lockdown and, 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 and as opposed to just sort of guidance working from home and things. Um, I came home from work and which was actually my last day of work before my company decided to, to that, that'd be better that the people who can work from home. Mm-hmm. Um, she was sat on the sofa with, um, with, um, sort of shivering with a, with a blanket around her shoulders. Oh, and good. we both looked at each other and we thought, but you know, because it was, even though it was sort of just over three weeks ago, that's that, that seems quite a distance away to, to where we are now. And we just made the assumption she had flu yeah. and it was kind of like, Emma, you've got to get to bed, you know? Um, but she basically had a lot of the, well, she had symptoms, which they were talking about at the time in terms of massive loss of energy, flu style symptoms, um, um, headache, um, but yeah, to cut a long story short for a week, she was bedridden and, um, all she could, um, if you remember, actually, you were going to come to my house to, um, yes, we were. Yeah. I was, yeah, we were supposed to. And that's, yeah. And we were getting close to that point where it was sort of looking that it was probably not a good idea. And then Emma, Emma got ill anyway. Um, yeah. So she was um, in, in bed for a week and all she could literally do was pull herself out of bed to go to the bathroom. Um, and that was it. Yeah. Not complete loss of energy and, you know, like flu aching muscles and yeah, things. Yeah. And, um, and so then after about a week, she was able to sort of get out of the bed and pot around in her pajamas and dressing gown, you know, for a few days, but she then developed a, a cough yeah. and, um, basically three weeks later, she's, um, she's, she's much better. She had a temperature yeah. and everything that's all gone well down, but well she, she can't, there's a little bit of a cough here and there. And, um, she's, um, how to put it, if she exerts herself too much, like she's allowed, you know, she's past the sort of the period where she's allowed to go out, but we went for a walk in the park. Um, we live near Wimbledon common and a walk around there the last weekend. And, um, when we came back late in the afternoon, she literally just had to crash out on the sofa. So I think with, at least with her, she's, um, she does have to, you know, take it easy. And, um, yeah. I think I might've got it in, um, a mild form of it because um, I had sort of um, cold symptoms um, a few days after about a week or so after Emma and um, completely lost my sense of taste and smell. Wow. One of the the things I've been talking about, the milder forms of it. So yeah, so so I went into 14 days um, self-isolation Luckily, we'd actually we'd stocked up on food um, just by pure chance of Sunday before when we were walking past Waitrose. So we were, we were fine, but it was but the routine has the routine was a bit different, and that I sort of became um, had well the house husband for a couple of weeks, you know, making every meals and having to sort of fit work in and things, you know, around that structure sure, and sure. And, uh, and then doing all the household chores and everything. But that's fine, you know. That's all modern people. That's what we do, you know. We all have to do our share, yes. so it was just a bit more of a share. But uh, but now, um, yeah finding the routine a bit better in terms of working from home. And that's, you know, it's not, it's for me, it's not, it's not too bad. Um, um, I think, you know, you just got to just not just treat this as, as a period where, um, well, 
I think it's a minor it's a minor thing to go through to to, to save lives. It's a minor sacrifice in the in, in, in the long term if it means that we're you know we're keeping our distance, we're not spreading a, a disease or and, and things like that. So yeah. the sun's shining. We're lucky we've got a small garden, which is a rare thing for many people in London. So a small garden to get out to. Emma's now actually um uh, starting to sort of plant a few seeds and things, order some seeds online. And so that's like her sort of potting around and, and doing a few things. Um, oh, but brilliant. yeah, brilliant. Um, we, we're still in touch with each other as well, aren't we? We're Most definitely. We're doing now. Most definitely. I think that that is the, the key thing in terms of one, staying connected as, as we are doing now, using technology yeah. to, to enhance and also to find other opportunities that we might not have thought about be- before. You know, technology mm-hmm. is, a, is a true enabler if you use it correctly. Yes. Um, and you're um, alluding to how difficult it is when you know you're living with a partner that has coronavirus or symptoms of coronavirus and how you must be um, managing yourself throughout the whole process. There might be role reversals. All of these things are, are shifting and the way that we normally do things, our habits, and we're human beings, we're creatures mm-hmm. of habit. And this whole situation has, has, has turned on this head are no more habits as it, as it were. Even I know people that are so used to having their coffee at Costa or Starbucks at a particular checkpoint en route to work. And that's gone. And as well as you can't go out just to have that coffee anyway. So yes. everything's been turned on, turned on this head. But I think throughout all of that, this is why I've always advised people to start reading, use the opportunity now when effectively things have slowed down and stopped. Yes, work still continues for some people, yes. but it is an opportunity to read things that can inspire, can motivate you to to do things, you know, and maybe it's a time to pivot your career. When I was looking at your, your bio and what you said today is, you know, you're somebody that's an author and your background is financial services. So typically to, to an outsider, they might look, how can you write financial services stuff. Yeah. Do financial services um, and then be author of these inspirational um, things. And so what is your journey and how you, how did you connect the two or you're not connected the two? Well, I think, well, put it this way before um, getting to this point, I I didn't perhaps appreciate that you can, you can have balance in life. And uh, what I, I've learned with this journey of becoming an author and, uh, you know, writing a book that was inspired by a journey is that you don't have to call yourself one thing. You don't have to say, I'm a stockbroker. I'm yes. an athlete. I'm an author. I think, you know, whilst I do call myself an author and a writer, I, I now appreciate there's different facets uh, that make me up and there's different experiences in life that have, that, that have led to this sort of uh, discovery of this creative voice. Yeah. It's kind of things which I think are always inside us, these experiences that we live. Um, but um, I think some, you know, I needed to be jolted and I went on this journey to have the confidence for this kind of voice inside me to speak up and, yeah. and say, yes, I've got something to say. I think I've got something to share. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, do, do you want the sort of the full length story of sort of yeah, yeah. office to, office to writing um, now um, working on my third book here now. So this is, yeah, this is one of the, the things I'm book. doing now having, you know, having been at home and more time is to, is to write the third book, which would be the final book in, in the series. So, um, so yeah, so I'll, yeah. I'll, um, I'll take a deep breath then and, and sort of <laughs> take tell the, you my, you, my yeah, story if that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Take, take the plunge because we're all ears. And um, I think, 
Yeah, you you got a unique journey, and I think just just before you go into that, um, just to break down the fact that you said you can do more than one thing, you know, and a lot of people are stuck in the, the traditional sense of the things like I have a skill that I've learned, I've mm-hmm. I've developed over many years, and that's who I am, and that's what I do. Yes, and this little voice that you have inside that's that's driving you to express something you suppress it for such a long, long time, you know, until yeah. maybe you're forced to let it out, <laughs> you know? Yeah, well, no, you know, I, um, yeah, that's, that's exactly true for me, as I suggested. And, you know, I think it's a mistake to think that. I think you think people look at you a certain way and think you're this person because of the, your title or profession or, you know, whatever your job is. If you're a bus driver, you think people look at you and say, he's a bus driver. And, and, and it's almost like you don't want to sort of put your head above the parapet and say, I'm not just a bus driver, you know, and I think we're all conditioned, you know, um, you know how you make small talk when you first meet someone at a party or something. The yes. first thing you say is that, you know, what's your job? What do you do? And you become, and you become mm-hmm. conditioned to sort of give them the explanation or the, the title, which do you think they're familiar with? Um, and so, yeah, so I, um, yeah, my background going back quite a bit is that, um, I did a degree in economics and, um, the obvious route for after doing a degree in economics is, is, is um, working as something financially related typically. And I ended up um, in, um, in the city in London working for um, um, a small, but quite fast growing um, wealth management um, stockbroking company. And um, I I was at this company, I think for for nearly 10 years. And uh, it was a, it was a very exciting period of my life. But I think, as I said, there was always something inside of me that um, wanted to be to creative, you know, I've always read books, you know, as a kid, I devoured books and I've always read books and I've loved story, love cinema. And, um, you know, we'd get, you know, took full advantage of going to the theater in London, um, et cetera. And then, um, me and my ex-wife, we decided we wanted to have, so that we'd never done the gap year, you know, we would never, never t- done that thing when you sort of in between college or, um, after college university, taken that year out and done the around the world thing. And so kind of, um, I think six or seven years into, into that particular job, um, I felt I wanted to go traveling and I was, I was sort of in a routine at that job in that job. And, um, I don't think it was particularly inspiring too much. And my um, former partner, she was in a similar position with her job. So we, um, we, um, to start, we you know, we looked at going around the world, um, for 12 months. Uh, but in the end we kind of figured that we really wanted to get to know somewhere better, yes. um, a, a continent better. And so we, we, we picked Latin America and what was it? The 12 month journey around Latin America turned into, I think 15 months of exploring. So South America and Central America. And, um, that was a brilliant experience. You know, you know, we, we could talk ages about the, the advantages of travel and getting outside of your comfort zone and, 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 and you know, new cultures and things of like things like that. Anyway, we came back from that experience and it's like, well, what do we do now? Yeah. And, um, do you know what? I reverted to form. My old company offered me a position. It was, it was slightly different than before, but to, to all intents and purposes, my skill set was no different that the required set skill set was no different. And so I kind of slipped back into that routine. Um, but something had changed inside me. And I think for lack of a better term that I can come up with now, I think travel had corrupted me. It had corrupted you. In, Wow. Corrupted me in, this, in the sense that I couldn't, I didn't feel so comfortable doing the nine to five anymore. Yeah, yes, you have seen, you've seen something, you've experienced something 
And I, I'm taking it that you don't know what it is at this point. But you yeah, don't want I mean, it, but you your nine to five is no longer cutting it for you. Yeah, but they made my life easy. You know, we, we'd rented our, our flat out for a period, we'd come back, we were living somewhere, had to pay the mortgage again. Um, you know, had ideas and things, but, um, you know, London's an expensive city, as you know, mm. and, um, you know, d- d- had, had to make a living again and they made it easy for me. But I think sitting in that desk job again, um, I'd, I'd sort of, my mind would sort of daydream to other places I wanted to go go and explore and um, um, and, I, and I, I think I, I wasn't done with travelling. Sure. sure. Yeah. But so anyway, um, so uh, cut forward a few more years and um, I went through some changes uh, in terms of my personal life and, and things like that. As I mentioned, my ex, she's now my ex-wife and um, um, I just knew there was something inside of me that wanted to speak up. I didn't, I didn't really know what it was. Yeah. Um, we'd gone through, uh, I'd gone from some changes in terms of my, my, my relationship. And, um, I just didn't feel comfortable in London um, at that point. And so I did, I reverted to, 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 to the only thing I knew, which was, which was traveling. Mm-hmm. And so you might call it running away and to an extent it was, uh, but I decided to go back to South America and, and, and revisit some of the places which I wanted to, I hadn't had the time before. To, to get to know and so I did that and then I um, went and explored a bit of Asia so resigned from the job that that job and um, that was about six, for six months then I came back from that experience um, again and uh, I'd had some amazing times met some really interesting people um, but um, I had nowhere to live in London at that point because um, we'd sold our flat and the, uh, my, um, the flat I ended up living in was, was then rented out. Um, and so I ended up staying, um, um, at a friend's place and, um, how do I put it? I think I didn't realize it then, but I was depressed. I'd had, as I said, I had some great, great, a great experience, yeah. but I was no happier in myself than I was before, even though I'd had some, you know, insights in, 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 into some more parts of the world. And then just something kind of funny kind of happened to me. Um, um, and it was a Monday night, I remember, and I were it, I was in a, a pub in the centre of London, near to where my my, my, my friends uh, had let me lived with when I was staying in their flat temporarily. And it was a, one of those kind of drizzly, rainy London, miserable kind of uh, yeah. nights where it's a Monday night, nobody's out, everybody's at home, but it was just me and a, uh, this barman in this pub. And um, I don't know what it was. Perhaps I was just sort of looking um uh, very sorrowful and nursing my pint but he kind of looked up at me and asked me how I was and he was a he was a Polish guy and um you know I was quite surprised that you know that you know that, 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 that he asked me that so as I say I must have looked been looking a bit glum. Um anyway we got talking and um very quickly into that conversation he uh, told me a bit about his life story and he said to me you need to do the same you need to go and walk the Camino de Santiago. Yeah, I've heard about the community Santiago and um, yeah, and it's always when people have gone on it, I hear about it. I don't, it's not one of those things I've ever heard about just ran no. on television like a, like a travel show. I've only heard about it from people that are either about to go on it or they come back from it. So how, that, yes, so, exactly. so how are you processing that? And um, yeah, what happened? 
Well, yeah, so this so this guy, uh, exactly as you say, it's, it's not particularly well known in the UK, the Camino de Santiago. It's, it, it, it's, it's, um, it has its history in um, uh, Christian and, and Catholic pilgrimages. Yes. Um, so um, across, so just to quickly, um, for your viewers, if they don't, your listeners, if they don't know, the Camino de Santiago um, is um, approximately an 800-kilometer um, walk the traditional Camino um, Santiago, which starts in a little village in the French Pyrenees, and you and day one you walk over the French Pyrenees and you arrive in northern Spain, and then basically depending on how fast you walk, roughly a month later, walking every day, you arrive in the city of Santiago de Compostela um, in northwest Spain, um, in, in the region of Galicia, and basically people walk it um, uh, because. Um, St. James is said to be buried um, in, in, in that cathedral. And so in the historic, for historical re- reasons, it was um, a, a, pe- a sort of a, a rites of passage, a kind of a walk of penance um, for um, Christians. And um, in medieval times, about a million um, people walked it for re- religious region, regions a year, reasons a year. And it was the second um, biggest pilgrimage after the pilgrimage to Rome um, amongst Christians. So, so it was huge. big. Yep. Now people walk for different reasons, some for religious reasons, some for, say, gap year, um, for fun, cultural reasons, because they like Spain. Or for me, maybe, you know, people like me, maybe they'd heard that they might find something. You know, they might they might dig deep into themselves and, and, and do it for spiritual reasons. So so anyway, um, this, as you say, this, um, or as you asked, this um, Polish guy says to me, yeah, you should walk the Camino to Santiago and funny enough he had walked to himself a few months earlier yeah and um, I, don't, I haven't got time to go into his story but cut a long story short for him he wants to be a filmmaker his fiance in Poland um, wanted him to carry on working in the restaurant trade he had the opportunity to be um, a manager of a, of a restaurant um, and he had a dilemma he went and walked so he went and walked the Camino and to cut a long story short for him he he um, left Poland left his fiance came to London, um, got a, a live-in job at the pub we're in. But a week before me meeting him, um, he had signed a, a million-pound film deal wow. him and his producer to make wow. a film. Wow. So that's his journey, yeah. So wow. he, um, yeah, he, um, you know, he had the, 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 the journey... Um, was a time of Fletcher Funk and appointed him and gave him the nudge to, to, to live his dreams. So he says this to me and, you know, I don't, I don't, I take a story in and of course it's a great story, but you know, a few days later, I've kind of forgotten about it. I'm, I'm into my routine back in London, but then I went to a bookshop with a friend mm-hmm. and my friend um, was looking for the book that he wanted to post to, I think an American friend of his, who didn't know the book, um, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Very classic. It's a classic book. <laughs> yeah. A classic so book. he was on the hunt in a local Waterstones um, um, for The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. So, you know, interesting title, walking. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still didn't put the connection together, but, you know, someone had talked about going a long journey on the Camino de Santiago. We've got a book called Hitchhiker's Guide yep. to the Galaxy. Yeah, you're joining the dots. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Uh, but I go into the shop, the, the, the bookstore with him. And uh, whilst he's looking for that sh- shop, I'm naturally um, orientated uh, to the travel section. And so I'm flicking through the travel guidebooks and travel books, you know, 
getting for getting inspiration for, for, for more travels. And then I next to it was this uh, sort of, I guess you might call sort of inspirational fiction, spiritual fiction books. And um, I saw a copy of, you know, The Alchemist, which, 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 we, which we were talking about before, yeah. before we went live yeah. with the show um, by Paolo Coelho. And that was the only book of his I was aware of because I, I it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a very popular book in, in, in hostels and things. So when I was in South America, I, I read The Alchemist there. So I kind of pulled out and just curious to read, you know, flip through it again. And then next to his book, there was another book called The Pilgrimage. And I always thought The Alchemist was his first book, but it turns yeah. out that the, his, Paolo Coelho's first book is The Pilgrimage, and it's a memoir of his experience of walking the Camino de Santiago. I didn't and know it, that. And I've no, read The Alchemist several times. So, yeah. wow, that's something yeah. for me to go and look up. Yeah. 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 So, the, um, you know, so The Alchemist is a, fi- a fictional story, whereas um, um, The Pilgrimage by Paolo Coelho is his memoir of him leaving the music industry, uh, which was his old life, uh, walking the Camino and then having the courage to, to commit to being an author. And then after that, um, um, he wrote The Pilgrimage, but uh, initially... But then he went on to write The Alchemist. But that was his, he, he walked the community to Santiago and then gave up on his old um, sort of music executive life and wow. committed to being an author. Interesting, interesting. So, yeah, so you're, you're, you're taking this all in now and um, you're connecting the dots. Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, Alchemist, the Pilgrimage. And then what are you thinking then now? Is this, what was the, the defining moment that said to you now? I'm going to do it. Well, it was in that bookshop when I, when I kind of pulled out that book, The Pilgrimage, and I was reading the blurb on the back and that, and then it came back to me, the, um, the, the, the Polish, um, uh, guy in the pub who was working, you know, the, 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 the barman. And I was just like, yeah, this makes sense. I was still lost in London. I'd mm-hmm. come back, but I didn't have a permanent place to live. So I was kind of almost in transit and I was looking for something. Yeah, I have to say I was looking for something, but I didn't know what that was. Mm-hmm. I know, to cut a long story short there, uh, within a few weeks, I was um, uh, putting myself on a plane to Spain and I was um, in that um, small village in the Pyrenees um, about to walk across a country. Sure. So I just felt, just felt right. But I, and I didn't, I didn't kind of, I just sort of felt I would get the answers by the end. I did, but I didn't really know what, if yeah. you know what I mean. But I had time. Uh, I had no, no, I didn't have a place to live at that point. Sure. Um, so it just kind of makes sense that this is the next thing to do for, for right or wrong. And I've always liked walking and trekking anyway. So that was, um, sure. and I love Spanish culture. And I picked up a bit of Spanish when I traveled in Latin America. So I had some, you know, um, kind of intermediary level Spanish. So that helped. So just for me to get the, the context as well, um, prior to you doing the, um, the trip to Camino de Santiago, had you had any um, spiritual teachings or do you have any spiritual um, leanings anyway as your part of your personality? And also it's a two, two point question also, mm-hmm. had you done any writing prior to taking that walk? <laughs> Yeah, they're good questions, uh, Douglas. Um, so the first question, no, in terms of spiritual kind of awakening, spiritual yeah. awareness, no, not not really. Um, well, I this think one is rational people. Well, these, these very rational things have to add up. One plus one has to be two. Very structured because numbers don't lie. If you work in the numbers field, yeah, I think I'll, you think that's yeah. You could definitely say that side of my brain was 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 more influential on on me. Um, and, um, although 
I'd read The Alchemist, you know, traveling, and I'd been traveling a bit, and I and I, and I kind of realised that there was there was something else out there. Yeah. Um, um, but but no, I hadn't sort of done anything like meditation or um, uh, you know been on any sort of you know retreats or uh, kind of you know done that. But I've had a lot of freedom though, uh, you know, with the travels. When I think my mind was perhaps a bit more. Um, open yeah. to ideas, sure. I, I would say. Um, but in terms of writing, um, no, not really. Um, um, I'd, um, my job required me writing financial reports um, for, um, and, and, and uh, copy for clients, whether it's, it was website or reports. And also, sort of had a sort of financial, um, personal finance type. Um, um, writing structure, which is quite different to the, the creative writing. Although um, one thing I had done when I was previously traveling, I, I, I started sending emails um, to, um, to to my work colleagues and friends, and they seemed to quite enjoy just my my emails of you know of, of our ongoing travels in, in South America. So you know, never tried writing a book before. Um, uh, so yeah. Okay. Wow. And so, so you've you've arrived there now. Um not equipped or, or not expecting, but your mind is open to anything. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. My mind was open, open to it. I hadn't really sort of, um, how to put it, got match fit as such because it was just sort of within a few weeks I'd, I'd, I'd put myself uh, there. Of course, I've bought a decent backpack, decent walking shoes or, or, or you know, gear for, for, for walking. Um, and yes, there I was, you know, um, um, at the start of um, what I didn't realise at the time would be um, uh, a, a, a life-changing journey. Sure. And, um, sure. Yeah. Sure. And, um, yeah, so that journey took me 31 days to walk, um, 800 kilometres, and it was it was that journey which um, was the catalyst to sort of um, a creative um, awakening. Um, and, um, I mean, I can go into, do you want to talk about some of the experiences on that journey? Or what, yeah, do you know what, in, in terms of, yeah, in terms of the creative experiences, um, what was the key one for yourself that, um, quickened the whole awakening process or, or could you say, you know, they have that analogy whereby you have the frog in boiling water and he doesn't really know, um, until, yes. because the water's slowly getting hotter and hotter until... Was it a gradual thing before you reach a critical mass or, or, or did you have this, there was a one stellar moment whereby everything aligned in such a way that you were not the same again after experiencing whatever it was? I think it was the frog experience that slowly creeping up on me, there was this sort of um, cre- creativity and this... Um, this um, the experience of walking across a country and um, and the routine of that um, being in nature, the people I met slowly started to sort of um, sort of filter into my system. And I mean, when you walk on this journey, I mean, it's not you don't have to be particularly fit as long as you're average, averagely fit. Um, you can do this walk, um, and you build you build stamina as you walk. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, although I give a caveat, the first day you climb pretty high up the Pyrenees. It's a real killer the first day. So if you're not fit, um, <laughs> you're going to feel it, you know, climbing up over the Pyrenees and you walk across a seamless border from France into Spain. Um, and that's a tough walk. Um, um, yeah, I think you climb about, I can't remember now, but it's 
couple of thousand meters or something. Is it, um, is it a guided walk or is it something that you do in solitude? Um, it's not guided. Some people are guided, but it's not hard. It's not, you don't need like a sort of full blown map and compass and things. There are what they call, um, there's these yellow arrows mm-hmm. dotted along the whole route, which, um, guide you there because if you, to say it's a pilgrimage, which, um, it's so old, you know, it, you know, it dates back to beyond the medieval times, but it said it's heightened as medieval times. So it's a kind of a community. You've got hostels, which you call our burgays, along the route, and you get what's known as a pilgrim passport at the start. Okay. So if you've got your, and you have to go to an office and sort of explain why you're walking the Camino and they just want to see that you're, um, you're serious. Um, and then they give you a pilgrim passport on that passport, you get stamped along the way in churches, your hostels, wow. your accommodation. There's official um, accommodation um, where you stay in um, dormitories, or you can you can go a bit posher and go to private, you know, a, a private albergue. Um, but basically, that passport um, um, allows you to stay in the pilgrim hostels at, at, at a very cheap rate. Um, and so, what I'm trying to say is, that it's um, it's a community, it's an economy along there. Okay. Um, it's a path which is well way marked. Uh, yeah, you know, a guidebook is useful because a guidebook will you you, know, you can plan out how far you want to walk to either to this village or city or town. You know, break it down into in, into bite sized chunks across that you know across the month or so. Um, but yeah, and so um, it's not it's not hard in that sense. But yeah, some people are guided. Some people have this this sort of you know this, what do you call it the sort of glamping it. You know, some yeah, people have glamping. that backpack taken on onto the next onto the next um, destination for the day, etc. But you know, I did it the sort of the traditional way. Um, and yeah, and I I, I I you know I was not I was on my own. Uh, but you eat, but many people, the majority of people, start it on their own. But you're not on your own for very long because there's the camaraderie of it and you soon make friends. And I made um, friends with a group who I decided to work with on and off because I think it was was great having the the fun and camaraderie. But you also need your space as well just to, you know, it's a period of reflection. But to answer your question about, um, you know, was it one moment? No, it was that kind of um, slowly bubbling up inside me, that kind of frog moment. I guess if I was to try and simplify and and, and said. condense what, what it was. I think it's just a very simple thing mm. of having a simple routine and not complication in life. Basically you're every day you're getting up at the crack of dawn, you're walking, you're breathing, yeah. uh, you're eating, and you learn to slow down. You learn to slow down and sort of look behind you and look at the, the you know, look at the, the, the countryside you just passed or when you you're at the crest, top of Crestford Hill to look back and take in the surroundings. Um, and I think, and you learn to begin, become a good listener. So everybody's got their different reasons for walking it. Um, and, you know, there were people, you know, I just had a sort of, how do you put it, sort of, um, you could call it a career crisis or, you know, changes in my personal um, my, my circumstances um, uh, regards to my relationship. Other people, you know, it's like a bucket list thing for them that they're literally, they're going to die or they yeah. had some serious illnesses. And I met a lot of people that for them, they, um, they just wanted to do it, you know, um, for, 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 you know, because of health reasons or different things. And so you know, it kind of put my sort of issues um, in check a little bit, but that just simple pleasures of learning to listen to people and their stories, um, walking, breathing, taking in the culture, you know, you notice in that, that rural part of Spain, you know, you pass through quite a few rural um, districts. 
people and villagers taking the time to talk to each other. Villagers curious about you, even though they get hundreds of thousands of people pass through yeah. their villages each day, you know, they want to give you advice and tell you how far it is to the next village and um, what do you think of it and where are you from? So it's that kind of, um, in many ways, it was like life condensed. People say it's like life condensed into a very short period because you sort of got the uncertainty, the birth at the start, and you're not really sure. You're finding your feet. Um, there's a there's a stretch in the middle called the Meseta, which is kind of a quite a, um, it's an outer plano, so it's quite high up, but it's very bleak, flat oh, wow. sort of agriculture area, mm-hmm. and it's kind of quite a lonely place for three days. And there isn't there aren't too many villages or, or things of interest. So you're sort of going through that kind of period of challenge and and um, questioning. And then you sort of get to you get to the end finally in um, thirty one days later in my case of kind of almost well that that bit in the middle is like the death and then it's kind of rebirth at the end you know you you know you 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 you've got there you might have worked a few things out in your head and you've and you've um, your environment's changed you know you arrived at Santiago and the the, the, the cathedral and, and and that so but the point for me in terms of creativity I kept a journal so I had a, a border notebook with me and I think just somehow my with the experiences of meeting people slowing down I think just my journal notes became richer and they started to to, to, to sort of take on just a bit more meaning and more more descriptive and so just did journal the journaling just became um more insightful for me for me wow wow so as, as you're walking this journey it's this 800 kilometer journey are you ruminating on all the challenges that you're going through back in the uk or are you just trying to be in the moment and just just walking for the walking sake and maybe processing things subconsciously without your awareness yeah, a bit of both, I think. I mean, to, to begin with, I think, yes, I was focusing on, you know, what am I going to do next? I need an answer. Yeah. Um, but um, now. <laughs> and, you know, yeah, looking at my, my past marriage and why, why, it, didn't, why it ultimately failed. Um, yeah, uh, as you said, and, and um, walking fast, too fast, you know, you're always on a mission in life. And it's because it felt so far away, 800 kilometers away, you're kind of kidding yourself that, you know, that, that, that you, you know, you're walking too fast and that's when injuries occur. And, um, and people do get injuries early on because the body's not used to walking. So you then, you know, and I didn't have a deadline cause I had nowhere, you know, I was, I didn't um, have a place to live at that point mm. in time. And so I didn't have a flight to meet or anything. And so I could just, I realized I don't know why I'm rushing. I could just slow down and yeah. enjoy the journey and yeah. take it in. And I think in that, when I realized I let, when I let go in, 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 in that, in, 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 um, maybe after about 10 days or so, when I let go, I think I started to engage with people more and engage with the na- nature, you know, um, silly things, you know, just stop and listen. Um, enjoy looking at flowers or smelling them or or just the, the feeling of the wind the, the breeze of the wind on your face those sort of things which you don't well, it's funny now maybe all of us now are starting to appreciate some of the just looking at the clouds in the sky and um like taking the time to talk to your neighbor across the fence even though you're, you're at a, a two meter distance and i think it was those simple pleasures which when you're um running around like a mad person in, in life that um, 
helped me. So yeah, after about 10 days, I began to slow down. And I think maybe at that point, I started to become uh, more in the moment and open to the experience. Sure. And, and that fluidity, being open to the experience, is that your style of writing? Or is your writing very much structured? How then do you... Um, well, but right. I still see myself as a new, a new, a newish author, you know, so I've written the two books and I'm, I'm starting the third, um, now. Um, but the first book definitely was, I didn't know what I was doing really is. So it was a sort of, um, a flow of consciousness that just came out. Um, and I had my notes, I could rely, I could, in terms of description of place and scene to refer to, but I just kind of wrote it. Didn't quite know what I was doing. Um, but it's but that actually that, that's when I did have the first time uh, I did start a that's when I started the blog and actually started to do some writing. So to, when I got to Santiago, um, I really wanted to share that experience with people, and so I just I set up a blog and just I wrote um, a couple of blog pieces about the experience of the community of Santiago. Mm-hmm. But then the, I sort of felt I had another story, and that this um, people sometimes busk, you know, on the way there, or um, um, they do different things, and I had this I this busking idea for uh, my, my character and um, so I started to write in, in a, a blog uh, story um, of, of this character and um, so that that did start to slowly evolve as a blog story but then I was getting a lot of started to get a lot of followers with the blog story and then I realized I had something so it was kind of like it was coming out yeah. but I did have this sort of first stage of the blog and then I sort of took it offline and uh, started to, to write it. Um, it just seemed to naturally come out, but it was it was rough and ready. And so then, you know, but the feedback um, with people who I shared and the few people I shared the the, um, the manuscript with, and I had the feedback from those early sort of um, blog pieces, you know, which broke it up into sections was positive. And so then um, I got a professional editor, uh, proofreader, etc., and uh, which helped polish it up. Um, so yeah, so I was kind of learning, you know, like a journey, like the journey really. I was, I was finding my feet yeah, with sure. the writing. Sure. Did, did you um, find that, the, sure, sorry for interrupting, did you find that your creativity post, um, the, the, the journey, yeah, came out like, um, in volumes, like you open up a tap and it's just gushing out and you can't wait to create an environment at home whereby you can put your pen to pad and start because you're now this vessel whereby you've got so much creativity that you want to release? Or was it one where you were still very much in control of your creativity and it's more like a measured thing? How, how did it release? Yeah. yeah, I think with that 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 initial, the first story, yes, it, it just kind of, you turned the, like you did the analogy, you said the tap was turned on and it came out. But then I had to learn the sort of the craft of, you know, polishing it, editing it, um, and so that needed structure in terms of disciplining myself to sit down, ha- um, have feedback from an editor. How did that feel? Know, review that kind of stuff. So that perhaps I. What was the question? Sorry? How did you feel? Um, in terms of the feedback, um, only because I know when I've had to write material, um, getting the feedback from people reading, I'm ultra nervous. <laughs> and I'm so sensitive. How are you feeling? Um, with the second book, I was very nervous actually in terms of the feedback. Um, the first book, do you know what? I, um, I kind of felt I had something, um, but um, 
And I wasn't too nervous, to be honest, because I felt the story was okay. And it had already sort of gone through a sort of edit by the fact that I'd started publishing it, as I say, as a blog pieces. And then okay. I got into the, the manuscript. Um, but well, I can tell you that, that you know, um, so I wrote that book and um, you know, put it out there. And um, I was very surprised at the early feedback, getting nice reviews and p- people were just leaving nice reviews on Amazon and things. And, um, and, that, and I was like, oh, maybe the ha- I have got something. And maybe about, I don't know, a quarter of the reviews, people, I thought I'd just left it. That was my b- one book, you know, everyone has a book inside of them. And they say, I thought that's the one book. Yeah. Um, I've got this story out. It's a way of kind of in, um, through somebody else's story, um, expressing my feelings about the community de Santiago, of, you know, it's a story of finding faith, really faith in yourself. And uh, I thought I was, done, I was done, but the, um, the reviews, I, 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 uh, um, some of the reviews, um, wanted to know what happened next. So like they weren't happy to just have the character, um, yeah. um, left where you was. And so, um, so I, I wrote, um, so the first one was a novella. The second book is a you know, full novel size, um, that's when I got nervous. That's when I wrote the first manuscript and I got a feedback from a couple of people, which, um, um, I, you know, I knew would be honest with me and there were sections they didn't like, or there were sections that just jarred with them. And so then I kind of rewrote it again. See, I was still doing a structural plot at plot, like most people do. Okay. I kind of just wrote it and then came back to it and sort of, you know, tried to refine it. And then when I'd sort of gone through that whole rewriting process and was ready to send it to a new editor, actually, then I got nervous. I'm like, can I repeat the first book? Have I, you know, I've gone through this rewriting process several times. Is it going to be good? And, you know, the editor, you know, the editor loved it, but of course did their editing um, guidance as well. And then after that, I then had felt the confidence to share it with some more people, um, including my partner, Emma and, um, a couple of people. And I was nervous at that point, but they, they seemed to really like the story. And I'm like, yeah, but I was, it was almost like, I was kind of like, yeah. had I faked the first, you know, is that, that imposter syndrome? Had I faked the first book? Yeah. Um, yeah. um, and I just can't write. And it turns out the second book I was, um, uh, you know, really happy with it. And, and, um, you know, and I, I did my, my, um, style and, um, had got, it had improved and developed as well. Okay, cool. So, so when you were writing, um, the style that you're writing that's described as inspirational, is it coming from the catalyst? Was the catalyst the Camino de Santiago, or was that the this just the process you had to go through to release that which was in you already? So, like, what's drawing you? Because you said you had no um, no inclination to spirituality before you done this walk, and mm-hmm. so either you. What did you see on this walk that has um, enabled you to write in the way that people can describe as inspirational fiction? Yeah, I'm still trying to work that out, to be honest. Uh, but I, 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 how do I put it? I think um, I think the Camino, um, in many different ways. Um, forces you to dig deep, whether it's physically in terms of you know, can I actually walk this yeah. far yeah. physically. Sure. Sure. Um, can I, uh, or, you know, but in terms of your, your mental strength, um, you know, can I, you know, can I leave behind some of the problems that I've, that I'm, that I'm perhaps walking away from, 
can I um, can I adapt to you know living in a basically in um, hostels for a month or so and, and all these different people uh, people can I um, you know and then the challenges of what okay when I get there what am I going to do uh, and I think so I think there's sort of there's different sort of challenges which you put yourself under there but but because of the length of the journey there's things just something meditative about walking mm. every day in nature that kind of um uh takes you back to you know just reconnects you with nature and i think somehow it kind of reconnected me with some of the things that have lingered inside me but um i just had a bit of perhaps been um um not given the opportunity to to come out or I'd forgotten about, you know, some of the things from when I was a child, you know, reading books as a child and wanting to know, you know like how as a child we, you know, we write stories and we're creative. So I think it brought, you know, I think life kind of um, can um, mask some of the, some of the qualities that we have. And so I think that was like a, was a kind of a resync and um, it helped me reconnect in, in reconnecting to nature. I think it helped me reconnect to my creative soul. Sure, and that the whole concept of connecting to nature is is massive. Um, particularly now you you're, you're in an urban environment whereby you're in the leafier part. I'll guess where you got the Wimbledon Common, and so you do have access to to um to green spaces as it was. Some people don't have. Well, access having to said that, nature. then I had always lived in the centre of London, so my my <laughs> my space was walking down to the Thames. Actually, that was like my garden. So yeah. I, so that's interesting, is that because I had come from sort of. Um, seven or eight years of, of, of a very urban lifestyle. Yeah. It, it, so there, there's something to be said about the value in, in, in enabling people to not take for granted the nature and also be having easy access to nature, which sometimes is hard to quantify yeah. what the benefits are. And there's, you know, when these yeah. politicians, these town planners, all that kind of stuff to try to equate, okay, if I put a green field here, okay, mm-hmm. what is the direct correlation with that and people's health and well-being and uh-huh. it's very hard it's, it's one of those hard, the hard things to quantify but certainly from my experience i know there's that there's a lot of value in being yeah. able to access those um those environments you know i agree and I, I think that's something i learned um because of that and and the previous travels and it, it's kind of it's funny now isn't it that um uh, it's when i came back from the walk in the camino and written that that first book I always said, to, always said to people, get out of your environment when you're in the office, go and walk around the park if you've got one near to where you work or you live and things. And now that we're, we're, we're under this kind of lockdown, gosh, don't we appreciate the park? Yes, we do. Yes, we <laughs> do. Yes, we do. I'm, I'm seeing, as a, I've got a dog, um, a French bulldog, two and a half years of age. And when I walked with the dog, prior to um, the lockdown, I would say, Mm-hmm. I'll yank his collar a little bit when I say, come on, because he always wants to stop a sniff. Yeah. Always. I mean, like he's a yeah. sniffer. He doesn't like, but for a ball, he's not into chasing the ball. He wants, he's like a Columbo of urine. He wants to smell the urine of other dogs. <laughs> and that's all he does. He's supposed to smell, 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 smell. So I didn't realize that when they smell, there's communication of other dogs that leave the scent as well. I didn't understand all that. So sometimes mm-hmm. come on, let's just go. But as I'm stopping while he's stopping to sniff. I'm taking a look at the surroundings as well. I'm trying to take, pay more heightened attention to the little things like um, the wonder that I used to have as a kid, like observing the daffodils that come up as an indicator, as an indication from winter to spring, you know, yes. l- looking out for those things. Now, particularly now you can't hear the, the birds chirping and just yeah. observing, observing, you know, the different 
um, sounds, birds. Prior to all of this, it was like oh, birds chirp, and it was yeah. just a very. I grouped all chirps as that's birds, but now yes. try to make the distinction of no, that's this type of bird. That's that mm-hmm. type of bird. You know, um, yes. it's interesting. Well, look- yeah, and I think, you know, that, yeah, going back to what I was saying in terms of um, being reconnected to nature uh, when I was walking, I think somehow that reconnected to my my, my, my creative side as, as well. Nature kind of made me, listening to the birds and observing, made me more observant, made me a better listener, I think, because, you know, the, the, the amount of stories, you know, it was a great place to get inspiration for story ideas, yeah. um, listening to people sort of, um, you know, their, their various experiences from their lives. And uh, because yeah, you know, when you're walking and you and you're with someone, there's nothing else to do really apart from talk. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, uh, yeah. Did you leave? Uh, but did, yeah, so it's, yeah. Did you leave anything behind on that walk? Any part of did you? Leave, did you leave any part of you, or did you leave an artifact? Is there something on that route <laughs> of the Camino de Santiago that Stephen left behind? Oh gosh, that's a that's a good question. Oh, well, I, yeah, I left my walking stick behind, <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and, I, and yeah, so and I, you know, on day one, um, um, I just you know bought um, an old fashioned style walking stick, sure. and um, yeah, um, like you know, like a st- like a, a staff, you know. Oh, I'm, I'm thinking so Gandalf. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so not not one of the not a walking pole, but uh, uh, and uh, well, actually, I'd, one of those things that I, I'd. A few times I left it behind in the, 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 under my bed in the dormitory or wherever I was staying, and then after about half a mile, I'd be like, "Oh bugger, <laughs> I've left it behind." But it became part of something, you know, part of the journey with me, like a companion. So I then have to retrace my steps and add another half a mile or a kilometer onto my journey. So, and then yes, at the end of the journey, I kind of, I kind of left it um, behind. Um, but something else, actually, what you did, one of the things that people traditionally do on the Camino <laughs> is that when you get to Santiago, that's not always the end for some people. You kind of there's a there's the what's known as the pilgrim mass where every at midday everybody has a even though they're not religious you can go to it and it's just a sort of way of um, celebrating um, the end of the journey in this pilgrim's mass in the cathedral. But after that, you can walk to a place um, called Finisterre, which um, means the end of the world, basically the end of land, uh, all the way to the coast to the the um, Atlantic coast there and um, sort of people do various things like kind of burn their boots or a t-shirt or something to mark, mark the end and actually I did leave something behind you remind me now because the um, one of the um, um, sort of signatures um, or artifacts of the Camino um, are shells um, scallop shells yep. um, that people tie to their backpacks or whatever and I had a scallop shell which I brought from London uh, basically, Saint James, who is in the cathedral, was his story is he is he, he was the boat that was carrying his body um, um, was in a storm and he was washed up on the shore there in Galicia um, with shells, with scallop shells. And so um, mm. then when he was buried, they buried him in, in, in Santiago. But anyway, so scallop scallop shells are the symbol, and um, I threw my scallop shells into the sea. Wow! Um, at that wow. point, so it was almost sort of like um, I don't know. I, I might have just done it because it just people were, were wanted to do something to mark the end of the journey. Yeah. Uh, but perhaps there was a little bit of London, which I'd 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 um, I'd uh, 
uh, accepted and uh, moved on from and kind of left that in the water perhaps because it would come with it would come with me from London so I think there was a little bit of that so yes so um that's something I left behind. So sort of metaphorically and physically, maybe my yeah. old, a little bit of my old self. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's what I suspect because certainly from speaking to you, you do come across as somebody that's experienced something, you know, something that is profound. And, um, and is it ex- experience that you would recommend anyone go on? Oh, I think so. I mean, I think just changing your environment, giving yourself the time, to slow down and walk. And especially, you know, um, this is a very reflective period for everybody at the moment. And, and, um, uh, you know, people have had holiday plans, you know, canceled and different things. And we're coming up to Easter where people often go away. Um, I think, I think if ever there was a time to actually say to get away from your normal night, your normal life and just go for a long walk, and really sort of reflect on life, but in a different environment. Yes. Um, I think, um, you know, I think it's a great thing to do. And uh, as I say, you don't have to be particularly fit. You can train anyway beforehand, but you get, you get fit for purpose. Brilliant. Route. Brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah. And this thing about reflection, I think prior to um, the going on this um, walk, um, did you know how to reflect without bias? So I guess you, oh. everyone, everyone reflects. Everyone says they reflect. You know, we do it all the time. Even that work, yeah. so you reflect. Yeah. Now you've gone on this walk. Is it a different type of reflection? Uh, I mean, I think, you know, we all go through sort of ups and downs in terms of the way we react to life. And I think sometimes, um, uh, even now, and I can be more emotional or sort of have a sort of a panic reflection. But I would say up until that point, my period of reflection was kind of, was more reactive and, um, um, you know, almost like panic reflection sometimes where it's like, I need a solution. I need a solution. And I think that's what you first feel at the start. Yeah. At the start of the Camino. And, um, it's like, I need, I need to work out now while I'm working, walking the Camino uh, and not giving yourself the time to work out the answers. And I think it's a bit like now really, you know, with with being, um, under isolation and not being able to get out and, and do things and everybody, you know, especially with creatives or people who put out content or, um, people that um, are working, but they're fine because of the commuting time and that they've got more time or the lunch hour at home. I must do that thing, which I've always put off or, and I think there is, you know, we shouldn't waste our time or there's an opportunity, but I also think don't force things. Let, let, you know, let the reflection come through naturally. Don't force things. This is perhaps a time then you can, you can then, um, when things return to normal, you can then make a better judgment or that you can put out that, that piece of content. But I think if we sort of force Great things, um, and I think I was like that before a bit. No, that, that's super advice. And for that, what you will get is what we call an atomic mic drop on this show. You've just dropped a humongous bomb, literally on people. Wow, because, gosh, we're glad, glad yeah, so, <laughs> so here we go. Okay, guys, everybody ready? Atomic mic drop. For creatives wow. out there, you know, that is golden <laughs> because a lot of creative people are thinking about what can I do now? You know, I'm restricted to my movements. I want to express myself. I'm outward thinking. And you just said it quite well there in terms of taking your time. It, it will come. 
You yeah, know? don't force it. And I, think that, and I choose, I mean, I always had to have, I think in the past, oh, I had to plan. I had to have the answer. Yeah. And I'm not saying don't, don't waste your time, but don't, don't be, you know, don't force it, you know, use this time as a time to reflect and sit in the garden, maybe in your lunchtime and chat to your neighbor and just take it all in. But uh, yeah, well, I'm glad I came up with something because that was great. That, that, <laughs> that little jingle. No, no, that, that, that's, that's superb. And I'm very conscious of, the time I know that you're 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 a busy person. So what I will say is, um, Stephen, um, it's been it's been all inspiring. And I'm gonna, I'm not gonna add the um the community Santiago as something for my bucket list to do. I'm gonna put it down as something that I have to do just for me. It's not a bucket list thing, just a tick box. Um you've you've sold it to me and I'm sure you sold it to all the listeners to 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 this the fact that it's trans transformational and um I gravitate to things that, that allow me to reflect in a way that whereby I'm reflecting as not the victim in my narrative. I'm reflecting back mm-hmm. in a very objective way, you know? So if I have to be a victim for that particular thing, so be it, but it's not constantly you're the victim in, in my reflection. So what you just said in terms of taking your time to reflect, let it, let it all resonate is, is big, is, is very huge. So I really thank you for that. I also want to thank, um, Brian O'Toole for connecting us to. It's very, yes, very important. Yeah, thank you, Brian. Yeah. And you wouldn't know this, but I did a podcast with Richard Reed, who does um coaching. Yeah, well being coaching. Okay. Yeah. Um is is excellent. And he too went on a journey. Not on the same you journey really? as you, yeah, traveling journey. And his background was um IT, was IT consultant consultant. And the journey he took made him go into well being and psychotherapy. So oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just just the synergy between I don't know, we recorded that yesterday and just having this conversation yeah. with you today. I just wanted to just call that out that I'm I'm truly I'm truly, truly happy. And um any other nuggets you want to share uh, as the UK are in lockdown and where can we get access to your materials? Because yeah, like I said, I'm I'm in I'm into Candy Floss guitar. And um, and I recommend that book on Amazon. But what else? Where else can people gravitate to your oh, materials? Okay, well, so we have, so that's the first book in what has become um, a series um, um, called the Reluctant Pilgrim series. Yep. And so that's the first book. Um, the second book is called Santiago's Guitar, and um, that develops Diego's story um, of. Um, finding faith and becoming a, a flamenco guitarist, but um, his story, his journey is not quite over yet. And in many ways, uh, getting to Santiago is just the start of his journey. And, and that's something they say, they, that, that when you reach Santiago, this is just the start of your journey because then you've had your, you know, your sort of, some of the realizations, but you've got to return to the real world and how, returning to the real world of these ideas is not always as easy uh, uh, stepping off the Camino is not always as easy as you think. So that, yeah, so, um, and I'm now working on the third book in that series, but they're available um, on all Amazon sites. Um, um, you can actually go into bookstores and get a hold of it, um, et cetera, at this moment. And all, you know, um, in the States, Barnes and Noble, et cetera, you can, you, you can get hold, hold of those books, but Amazon is, is um, probably the key place, especially at the moment. And, um, well, what can I say in terms of nuggets? Well, I just I love the fact that you that you're considering walking the, walking the Camino de Santiago, and um, I think yeah, I mean, what have people got to lose? They get fit, um, 
you get this cheap wine and food on the route. So, you know, if you like Spanish um, um, uh, Rioja and, um, you know, you like Spanish tapas, you're going to eat well and you're going to burn off all that food. So you, you're not going <laughs> to, you know, you can eat as much as you like and um, and uh, eat and uh, not drink too much. You don't want to hang over in the morning, but, you know, um, when you get up with the sun, but um, you can eat and drink well and, and not have any fear of putting on any weight. Brilliant. Brilliant. Thank you very much. The Mic Drop Club salutes you, Stephen. Be safe. Take care of Emma. I hope Emma is fine as well. And we'll catch you guys on the other side. We out. It's been a pleasure. Thanks so much. I really enjoyed it. Brilliant. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to check out micdropclub.com and get the show notes and useful links. Subscribe to the podcast. Don't just live life, make life boom.